Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning to hear from him. And Father, we are thankful to be here this morning. We're thankful that you love us and that you care about us. We're thankful that you have called us to live a certain way. We know that we've been purchased with blood, and so that begs a response from us. Uh, we pray that you'd help us uh, today to just consider how that um, best has worked out. And we, we know from your word that you have us gather like this regularly so that we can be built up and build one another up. And we know that each one of us has diff different gifting, but we all work together as one body, helping the other parts. And so I pray that you'd help us to hear from your word again today as Pete comes and um, encourages us how we might be able to be connected to this body here. So we pray that it would happen in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It's again my privilege to be with you, and if you are a guest with us today, we are so glad that you are here, and you are joining us on uh, the second weekend of what we call Group Connect here at Salem Heights. It's our opportunity for our, our regular attenders to prayerfully consider how they will get connected to the body, the local church here. And uh, last week we were talking about uh, all that God has built into the body uh, for our benefit and good and how he wants to use us for one another. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, we're going to be in the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter uh, 17. So go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn there. And this morning's going to be a little different than our typical uh, sermon. Uh, I want to share just a few thoughts here to kind of set up our morning out of John chapter 17. Uh, we're going to be starting in verse 20. And uh, then I'm going to be inviting up uh, three of uh, our ministry leaders. Um, uh, Pastor Carl, who oversees our counseling ministry. Uh, Pastor Matt, who oversees our men's ministry and addictions victory ministry here. And then Julie Bernard, who oversees our women's ministry. And, and they're going to provide some perspective um, to a question and, and some, some specific questions. But the overarching question of the morning is this. If I love God, does the church matter? I love God, but does the church really matter? That's the question that I want us to consider this morning. Uh, community, by definition, is a group of people that have gathered together because they, they share something in common. It could be a common interest. It could be just a location, a neighborhood, or a place where we live and do life. Or it could be a belief. And so community are people who have come together and they have unity because they share something in common. For the church, for you and I, for believers, our community is gospel-centered. It's built upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's built upon what he has done for me, what he has extended freely to me, what I believe upon him, and then how he begins to transform me from the inside out. Uh, there's so much that we could say this morning. My heart's pretty full just from the study this week, and uh, my heart's desire is that we'd be encouraged. Every time we preach, we always want our, our affection, uh, the thing inside of us, to be not just focused on self or even focused on those next to me, but to be focused on Christ. And so what we need to understand is that our community the community that makes up Salem Heights Church and every other local church on this planet and every church across the world, the community that we have is focused upon. It's only possible because of what Christ has done in us and what he continues to do through us. It's a gift to have other brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't, I've been thinking about uh, my life and uh, 
how many times in my life that I was given something or I had something, I didn't appreciate it while I had it, and then it goes away, and then you wish that you still had it. I remember uh, growing up kind of hearing the age-old debate about cars, how cars that had all the features were not actually that great because at some point those features are going to break down and they're going to be expensive to fix. Or if you drive off into the river, you're not going to be able to get out of your car, that kind of thing. So it was always better to have no power or anything, right? You want to you be able to manually. And I had a car like that where I had to manually lock all the doors and roll up the windows and roll down the windows. And that's really, really, really inconvenient. And it's nice to have power features in our car, but when those power features break, man, it becomes very, very inconvenient, even more than having to roll it down, because you can't roll it down. You're stuck inside that. Uh, The community we have of faith is not something we should take for granted. There are brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who don't have the freedom that we have currently to gather visibly together. And I was reading this week a, a book by a German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together. And he wrote this book, and, and he, was, he, uh, he lived only 39 years. And he lived during the time of the world wars and, and Hitler's domination and his perversion. And Bonhoeffer was told he could no longer teach publicly, and so he actually began teaching at a seminary that was underground. It was a secret seminary. And he wrote this book on community. In the front page of your notes, I put a portion of this because I think he is trying to express to us the importance of not taking community, doing life with other believers for granted. In his book, he writes, It is by the grace of God that a congregation is permitted to gather visibly in this world to share God's word and sacrament. Not all Christians receive this blessing. The imprisoned, the sick, the scattered lonely, the proclaimers of the gospel in heathen lands stand alone. They know that visible fellowship is a blessing. It is true, of course, that what is an unspeakable gift of God for the lonely individual is easily disregarded and trodden underfoot by those who have the gift every day. It is easily forgotten that the fellowship of the Christian brethren is a gift of grace, a gift of the kingdom of God that any day may be taken from us, and that the time that still separates us from utter loneliness may be brief indeed. Therefore, let him who until now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians, praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in a community with other Christian brethren. It's a gift because naturally we wouldn't even want to have community with one another. Naturally, we are selfish people. We want to live lives of isolation. But supernaturally, because of what Christ has done for us, he begins to place in us a heart that is being transformed, a heart that's like his, a heart that can understand now the great love that he has given us, and now he has called us to love one another. He is our peace. The New Testament scriptures testify that the only reason that you and I can live in community and have peace with one another is because we first have peace with him, and now we can have peace with one another. Through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, he's provided reconciliation, a means to be in one with him, but also with the body of Christ. Now, Christ here in John chapter 17 is about to be betrayed. He's about to be betrayed, which was all within his authority. He allowed that to happen. He knew it was coming. He predicted it. But he was about to be betrayed by one of his own, 
to be put into an illegal trial that ultimately would lead in his crucifixion, but we know that that was for our good. And just before his betrayal, John 17 captures a, the, the words of a prayer. It's often referred to as the high priestly prayer. It's a prayer of intercession. It's Christ praying to God the Father on behalf of his followers. But not only those who had come to believe that he was the Messiah at that point, but specifically in our passage this morning, in verse 20, he's looking forward to those who would come to faith. He's praying for you and for me. And I want us to read this passage and see what was Christ's heart for the church? What was his vision for the church? And so if you are able, please stand as we read our passage this morning. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. Jesus says, to the Father. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you love me. Do you hear the love of Christ and his vision for us today? You may be seated. Three observations, and then I'm going to invite our panel up here to kind of share. But as we read this passage, we hear his vision for those who would come because he was going to send his disciples out to make disciples. He was going to send them out to take the gospel to every part of the world. And Jesus is now praying for those who would come to faith based on the evangelism of the first church. And his prayer is that the church would be one just as he and the Father are one. That's our first point. He desired for the, the church, those believers, to have the same kind of union as he has with the Father. Earlier in John, Jesus talks about this. That In John chapter 10, he talks about how he knows the Father and the Father knows him. And that word is a, an experiential knowledge, gnosko. It, it's not something that we just learn. It's something that we experience. It's something that we observe, something that we take in by our senses. It, it, it speaks to uh, very uh, intimate fellowship, that we know one another. And this is a desire for you and for me, that there are people in this room, that his desires, if this is your local church, that you would know them, that you would have a relationship with them beyond just, hey, I see you in passing, and then we go on to the rest of our week, and then we might run into them the following week. This is only possible because of what he has done for us. But this is his desire that you and I would have the same kind of oneness that he has with the Father. But what we also see in this passage is that the community of believers is a strong witness to the unsaved world. It's an uncommon community that we have for one another because it's a love that's only possible because of the peace we have in Christ. And so when we love one another as Christ has loved us, as we obey his command to us to love one another unconditionally, putting each other first and serving one another and doing all those one another's, that stands out to a, a heathen, rebellious world that is living for itself. And they don't understand it, but there's something that draws them to inquire about it. 
It's a great, powerful witness to the world. They're watching our interaction with one another, and it will leave an impression. As people watch Salem Heights Church interact with one another, as people watch us as people of the body of Christ, members of the family of God, what impression is it leaving on them? Are they watching us and seeing the love we have for one another, the intimacy, the fellowship that we have with one another? And so his desire is that we would be one and that we would have knowledge of one another, that we would know each other and be known, that we would know things about each other. We would know how each of us is doing spiritually, that we would know uh, how they're, what are the things that they're working through that God is doing in their heart. We would know how to support one another, but that we would also be known by others in the same way. That's his desire. And when we have that kind of love and we have that kind of interest and we have that kind of camaraderie that we see the early church have in Acts chapter 2, it's going to be a powerful witness. Why do you guys care about each other that way? Why do you love each other in that way? And we can tell them because it's of the gospel, what Christ is doing in us. And so community, the community we're talking about, the community that we want you to experience is, is only experienced when we know others and are being known. This is a relationship that is not an ideal. It's not like, hey, we should strive for this, folks. We should strive to have this kind of community. The reality is it's already been made available. He wants us to participate in it. Community, brotherhood, sisterhood, the family of God is not something that we create now with our efforts because we've been taught a good lesson. He is saying, I've already removed the hostility that would be between you. I've taken out your sinful hearts. I put into you a heart now that can actually love one another, and I want you to experience the oneness that the Father and I have. I want you to experience that. Scriptures warn us that those who don't plug in, that those who, who don't want that kind of community, they don't want to be known that that motivation is because they want to pursue something that's not of God and that is selfish. And so there's a warning. Don't be isolated. Experience the community. Experience the genuine love of the family of God. So again, I love God. And you might say, I love God. I believe in the gospel. I have a relationship. Do I really need to be that plugged in? Does it have to go beyond Sundays? I love God, but do I need to love the church? What are those barriers that would prevent us from signing up and being a part of a growth group, being part of a small group, being part of our counseling ministry, being a part of our, what, what are those barriers and how do we overcome those together as the body of Christ? That's what we want to answer this morning for you. So at this time, I'm going to invite up uh, Julie and Pastor Matt, Pastor Carl to come join me on the stage and, and we'll ask them those questions and hear what God's laid on their heart this morning. You can welcome them as they walk up. Good to see you all again. You guys can grab a microphone here. We're going to start with Pastor Carl. and uh, Pastor Carl oversees our counseling ministry here. We uh, believe in biblical counseling, and, and uh, we offer that freely because uh, we believe that we are all made to minister to one another. That burden is not just solely on the uh, pastoral staff, but he does head up our biblical counseling ministry. And, and the question that we've talked about that I would love for you to kind of share with our people is, uh, I think there's an assumption that um, if I have, if I'm working through some trials or some struggles and, I, and I'm seeking out counseling with a counselor, 
why is that not good enough? Why can't just my relationship with my counselor be enough? Why would I still need the community in my life? Mm-hmm. Well, we're hoping that within the biblical con- counseling context, we have the opportunity sometimes to sit one-on-one with the counselor, or maybe as a couple, we're meeting with a, another couple, and they're shedding the light of God's word on our circumstances and our struggles and the things that we're challenged with. And we have, by the way, 19 lay ministers that are equipped to counsel you all. And, um, and that doesn't include our full-time staff. And so you could be in counseling for a variety of reasons, but we still need to be participating within the body. One of the things that I'm reminded of out of Philippians is, um, is as Paul is ministering and he's going from city to city, he is experiencing all kinds of different trials and traumas, physical, uh, emotional, spiritual. There's spiritual attack that is in his life. Uh, And then he describes different interactions he has with different congregations that he's ministering to. And one of them is the church at Philippi. And in chapter one of Philippians, he, he says this, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. So because I'm remembering back now, to what our relationship was like when we were together. Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. Mm. And then he says this in verse eight, for for God is my witness how I long for you with all affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in true, real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. We're talking about a guy that's experienced all kinds of hardships, but he's also describing how the body has blessed him. And how has the body of Christ blessed him as he's interacted with this congregation? Well, conveniently, it's four L's. He is experiencing the love of Christ. We can remember this. And the love of Christ brings them together. And then together, they are experiencing learning more about Christ. And then they are laboring with each other. They're laboring together. So they're experiencing the love of Christ in a community. They are learning together in a community. And then they're laboring together in a community with one another. So that then the passage that Pete is talking about in John 17 is that the world sees that type of unity that they might believe. They go, there's something supernatural going on there. And so there are times where we set aside time as individuals or as a family to get special counsel on how does the word of God shed the light on what I'm going through in life. And if, it, if it's difficult, I need counsel from time to time. But then how can I stay plugged into the body and experiencing the love, learning, and labor? And then I believe, and I'm going to add this one, that when we then get in the yoke with each other like this, and Paul has relationship with these folks, I bet you there's some times where they also just shared sweet laughter. Fellowship, you know, it wasn't always about Bible study um, in that they were being theological. 
It wasn't always that they were struggling in their labor. There were some times where even in their labor they might laugh, but especially as they see the ministry of the gospel and the Holy Spirit in their life produce fruit in a sweet dynamic in the body of Christ, you know that they have fellowship. And when we have fellowship, so often, even during hard times, we laugh together. And so I think that that's one of the ways we see how counseling ministry is so dependent upon growth groups, women's ministries, men's ministries, most excellent way. It's essential that we're in those community settings. Yeah. I think what's what's been fun to witness, and, and we'll go to Julie next so she can have a microphone too, um, is... It's just the fact that within our ministry here, you don't have to, to if you have a, a real issue that requires or that would necessitate finding some help through counseling, it's not as if you have to get made well in counseling before you can plug into the body of Christ, that they work so, seem, that they're woven together because it's all the family of God. And so we, the, both the community of counseling and the community found within small groups, growth groups, all the different ministry here, it's all part of what God wants to do to help you grow, help you to see him rightly. And uh, again, I think one of the words you mentioned this week when we were talking is it's the lab too. Uh, it's where everything kind of, everything comes to work together. Yeah, you had L's this week on your mind, so that was, uh, but the lab is where, you know, in life when we are actually together is where these things come to life and you hear the experiences of what God's doing in somebody else's life. And, it, and, and God uses that to help it come to life for you and help you have greater understanding. So thank you for that. Julie, um, thankful for you, and uh, we're excited to uh, see the women's ministry kick off again. And, man, that's such a vibrant ministry. Um, I think it's assumed that naturally that it's easy for women to get together and just relate. That when they get together, they just there's something magnetic with inside a woman that draws them together, and it makes it easy. But uh, I think there are probably some barriers that— would prevent a, a woman from really being known and knowing others. They could be connected, but maybe not to the level of community that we're talking about. So what are some of those barriers, and how can a woman overcome those? Okay, well, um, as I was thinking about that, I think for us women, one of the things that we um, often do is we compare ourselves with one another really quickly, right? And there's lots of opportunities for us to do that. Social media, instant. We look, wow my family is not as put together as that family, you know, or a variety of things. And even when we're together, we, we run through that and we compare ourselves with one another. And it, and it doesn't take much. And we're um, thinking, man, I, I just, I don't measure up. I don't know enough, right? Or I'm, I'm just not, I'm not going to fit in there. Um, and we have that fear then of being accepted, right? Um, and we just feel that sense of inadequacy. And as I think about that, it kind of takes me back to um, the story of the prodigal son in, in Luke 15. And, you know, the prodigal, he comes home and he's feeling all of those same things, too. I'm, I'm not adequate. I'm not good enough, right? He's comparing himself to the people around him. And then also, so that's one thing I think that is a hurdle for us to have that real community because those are the thoughts that are continually running through our head. And then the other thing is that we are just busy. We are busy women, and some of that is dictated by our season of life, right? There's, sometimes there's not um, things that we can control. We have to do what we have to do, right? 
But then in that season, no matter what season, we still have the opportunity to make choices about our priorities and about the things that we are going to say yes to and the things that we are going to say no to. So we could be involved in a lot of good things that keep us super busy, right? That's the comment. How are you busy? You know, that's what we are. Um, but we have that opportunity to think past not just what is good, but what is best? And I think, too, about the older son in that story in Luke 15. He was busy doing a lot of good things, but he'd missed the point. And so he, too, was missing out on that community. And really, when you look at that passage, it's really not so much a story about the the prodigal or the older son. The story's about the father. And if we would just get our eyes off of ourselves and off of each other and get it on to the Father, then all of those barriers that we perceive would really melt away, right? And so um, I'm going to tell you, honestly, women, we are going to do everything we possibly can to get rid of those barriers for you. But ultimately, you just have to show up. You have to come. You have to be a part. And once you're there, what we're going to do is we're going to put our eyes on the Lord. And especially this year in our small group studies for women, we're going to be looking at Genesis and studying Genesis and looking at the God of creation. And we're going to have the opportunity every week to look at who is he. And as we discover who he is and we know him more and more, those things that we've perceived keep us from community are really just going to fade away. Wow. And I, I thank you for that, Julie. And, and thank you for the way you're shepherding our women um, and the way that you're doing that. And I, as you were t- talking, it, re- it was I was th- thinking about last week we were in Romans 12 and it talked about Paul's encouragement was that our love be without hypocrisy or let your love be genuine. And this ability that, that we possess, to we don't have to put on a mask and pretend to be something so people would love us. We focus on Christ and he's looking at us and he knows everything about us and he knew that going to the cross. And so when he calls us together, he says, now enjoy the fact that you don't have to put on a mask. You don't have to have your life put together. You come together, you focus on me, and I'm going to grow you into the body of Christ. And what an awesome opportunity for our women. Uh, Pastor Matt, um, as you lead the men here, I think one of the things when we think of community from a, from a masculine point of view is that um, community equates to sensitivity, transparency, talking about our feelings, which is, which is, which is what I think keeps some of us away from that because we don't want to be known and be known by others because we don't want to be transparent because maybe there are some, there are some things that we see in the world that the world says, this is masculinity, but Christ says, no, this is what brotherhood looks like. So what are some of those pitfalls that, uh, we are not able to, um, if we come to church and we get plugged in and we will be known here and have that brotherhood, how will that protect us from the pitfalls of worldly masculinity? By the way, he told me he was going to ask me that question, and I love that question. Okay, so how does it protect us from worldly masculinity? You said something earlier, Pete. You said naturally we don't want to have community with one another. The flesh loves the world, the, the, the three enemies. So when we look at it, our flesh longs for what Satan puts together in the world system. There's your three enemies. 
And um, have you ever had one of those situations where you know what you're going to say and then you forget your glasses in, in your office and you walk over and then all of a sudden a different passage hits you kind of in the face? If you guys want to turn real quick, men, uh, ladies too, but turn to Second Peter. This is the passage I was going to do. Men, don't we all want wisdom? Is there any guy in here? If you want to raise your hand, you can. It's going to, that doesn't want wisdom, you know? I don't want wisdom, you know? No, we want wisdom. I think Gary was, mis was just a little mistaken there about what I was going to say. Is there, is there any guy that doesn't want wisdom? Well, no, we want wisdom. Well, wisdom being the application of knowledge. And so when you get to Second Peter, Pastor Justin and I have been talking a lot about this passage and uh, developing a men's growth around this passage. Take a look at this. Second Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has been granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. If you know Christ today, that's true of you. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So if we stop there really quick, you just asked a question of, well, how do we escape the pitfalls of the world uh, through this, this, this brotherhood that comes together and gets into the word together, you know, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity is what Proverbs 17, 17 says. And we can't do this alone. We, we couldn't do it alone when we accepted Jesus Christ. He gave us a helper to be within us, the spirit of God. So we couldn't even do it alone within ourselves. But then he designs the church for us to come alongside one another and we get into the word together and we start hearing from other men and it starts changing how we see things, because maybe I had loved the world before more than I thought I did. You know what I'm saying? Let's keep reading. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus personally this morning, don't you want to be fruitful like that says? And wouldn't we, I mean, just keeping this simple, wouldn't we want that progression to unfold in our life? And we cannot do this alone. So this coming together as brothers getting into the word and also in leading the most excellent way, the Addictions Victory Group, you know how awesome it is to watch people change from darkness to light and watch this progression unfold and all of a sudden they're plugged in bearing fruit for God, but they didn't do it alone. They, they, didn't, they didn't get off of whatever their addiction was alone. They, they needed to come and be a part of community. They needed others to come alongside them and sharpen them and then they begin to grow and that's for all of us, not just the men, amen? Done. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. And I'm, as I was thinking through what you're saying, I think for men, uh, pride gets in the way of us admitting that we're weak because the world says weakness is failure as a man. But Christ says in your weakness is where my strength is perfected in you. So uh, we, need to, we need to be a part of community. Our, our hope, our desire as a church 
is that all of our people would be connected to one another. That's our desire. Um, we want to encourage you in the scriptures uh, to show you why God has said, I've, I've left this for you. You know, he, he saved a people. If you read through John 17, he said, you know, he said I, I fulfilled the mission that you've sent me for, Father, and, and I have this now, these believers that I'm leaving behind, and he prays for them. But he went back to heaven, and he's preparing a place for us. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming soon for us. We will be with him forever. But in the meantime, in the in-between, he has left the church to be the one another. And he is in us. He is drawing us together. And his desire is that we would be in community, that we'd have people in our lives who know us, who have permission to ask us those questions that we need to be asked. And he's tasked us with having the same care for one another, that I should know a handful of people here, and I should be looking out for them as well, because we're not supposed to walk this life alone. And so our desire is that you would sign up. We have our sign-up area this morning. It's just outside these doors. We have our tables. We have all kinds of opportunities for you to get connected. We'll have leaders over there who can answer your questions and who would love to just help you get connected. And we're going to actually have a way for you the rest of September to get plugged in. Our groups are going to start here in a few weeks. But even if, if you, you want to sign up later on the month, God just works on you. It's never too late to join a group. It could be uh, later in the year. You just feel like, it's time for me. I need that community. God is just moving, and you can't resist it anymore because I believe he's drawing all of us to plug into his church. So either we're obedient or we're resistant. If God softens your heart, don't let that stop. Well, I'm going to wait till the following year because in the world, something else is going to get in there and fill up your life and make it hard for you to be obedient. But our desire is that you would get plugged in that you would experience the community, that we would experience the oneness that God has given us now through the work of his son, that we would participate in that as brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I pray for us? And then we'll be dismissed. God, I do thank you this morning for the, the reminder of your eternal love for us, God. And even as we read in John 17, that God the Son, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, praying for us, a heart that is being expressed in words of, of a desire for us to be one, but to be one not only for our own selfish benefit, but that through the unity that has been made possible through the death, burial, and resurrection, we would be a powerful witness, God, to the world. How can we take your gospel to this city, to our neighborhoods, to the world, if we don't love one another, God. So help us to be plugged in. Help us to experience that community in our lives. Help us to be known and to know others, God. And whatever hurdles or barriers are that are in the lives and the hearts of the people that are in the room this morning, God, would you remove them and show them that you will go before them and allow them to experience the sweetness of faith and community. God, we thank you for this morning. We pray now that you would go, uh, just guide us as we leave. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. That's it for us this morning. Again, I would encourage you to stop out there and get signed up. You can also sign up online, but you guys are dismissed. Have a great week.